0: morning. We're so glad to have you all here with us. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're so glad to see all of our members here as well as our visitors and we're so thankful to have those of you who are uh, with us online. Thank you so much for being at worship with us. As always, if there's any way we can serve you, be sure to let us know. We continue in our series on the anatomy of a disciple in our second part. And I want to start by telling you about something that happened to me, to us, at the end, towards the end of last year. We were driving back into Tyler from Lindale after one of Malia's uh, tennis tournaments, and I was in my truck because uh, I had come later, and I was coming south down the north part of 323, I was just about to where Tyler High School is. And right before that, my engine just started going. I mean, locking up. I knew something was really bad. I've, I've had, I've had broken down cars when I was a teenager that, you know, left me and my brother stranded all over Tyler, and that's how we learned to fix something so you could get home. And uh, but it locked up. It froze. The whole engine shut down. Of course, the power steering doesn't work. I was able to get it into a parking lot of a little business where I waited to, uh, to have it towed. When Francis and son got the engine opened and looked at it, uh, they realized that one of the rocker arms had broken off and gone berserk in there, torn up the cylinder, caused everything to come to a screeching halt. The engine was ruined. <laughs> Lots of fun, right? Engines are important, aren't they? Yeah, there's a lot of important parts on your car. Just because that engine light comes on, you know, sometimes we just say, oh, that's nothing. They make it, they, they design it that way, and, and I think they do. But some there are a lot of important parts on your car too, right? And if, and if they go out, then it matters. Well, your engine is one of those major components on your vehicle. If your engine goes out, it ain't good, is it? Well, we started last week looking at uh, the core of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And we, we saw that the word disciple in the Greek means learner, and we typically say follower, but if you're following, you're learning, and that was the model of what they did as, uh, as they followed rabbis that they learned from and they recognized Jesus as a rabbi. And so we said at the very core is being humbly submitted in your heart to God. But then the second part of that core on that outer ring around that, uh, the humbly submitted heart is having a biblically formed mind. A biblically formed mind. So these two together make up your engine for spiritual growth. A humbly submitted heart to God and a biblically formed mind shaped and informed by the Word of God make up your spiritual growth engine, and engines are important. And everything else, all the other layers, the different dimensions of a disciple's life that we're going to look at, or are, are, are an outpouring of, an extension of, come out of that core of a humbly submitted heart and a biblically formed mind. So we want to focus on having a biblically formed mind this morning. If you want to grow spiritually, you need to work on your core, your, your heart being humbled to God, submitted to God, and your mind being uh, biblically formed formed and everything else related to being a disciple of Jesus is an extension of that core so you've got to work on your core you know there's two types of wisdom that we see in scripture you know we receive different messages thousands of messages every day from everything that we see all over the place and many of those we don't even realize that we're receiving We're on information overload, aren't we? Advertising overload, stimulus overload when it comes to all of the possible things you could pay attention to that are pushed your way through your phone, through the TV, various advertisings, all kinds of media and, 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 and venues in our culture. Our culture just feeds us constant message. It's more than we can keep up with. It's more than we can process today. It's not like it used to be. And, and we have access to far more information than any other generation in history. It really just at, at our fingertips. And it's it's, you know, fundamental morality is not common like it used to be, is it? It used to be basically a a fundamental morality that virtually all people had. And and sadly, that's not the case anymore. There's still a lot of it out there, but it's sadly not what it used to be and certainly what it ought to be. Just at at least a fundamental morality that people bought into, that people lived by, even if they didn't believe in God. There's no more moral foundation in so many individuals' lives and in so many homes. When I led the a nonprofit that that I did in, in Abilene, we worked with at-risk students in the, uh, in the school district there. And so I got to talk with students who came from backgrounds, some were good positive backgrounds, and some, there was nothing there. One of my, one of my case managers on one of the middle school campuses. Uh, was telling me about the kids he works with and telling me stories and he he was a Christian and he said I tried to talk to them about right and wrong there and he said you got to understand Jake there's no foundation to build on with some people there's nothing there you're starting at the dirt level to get through to some people on right and wrong and morality So many people live with no moral foundation and their their values change whenever the culture shifts. Their values, their beliefs, are whatever is currently common in culture, right? And because everyone else seems to believe that and that's what all the messages say I should believe, that must make it right because that's what it seems like we all believe now. That's what's being pushed in my eyes and in my mind. And so we've got to figure out how can, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, how can I have a biblically formed mind? What do I do with my mind? Because being a disciple is more than just saying, I love Jesus and I love God, and being nice and good. It's far more than that. James tells us about these two kinds of wisdom in James chapter 3. Look at verses 13 through 18. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see the two kinds of wisdom that James presents to us here one comes from above and one comes from below it's earthly he calls it Uh, one is motivated by jealousy and selfish ambition now think about that and think how how common of a human emotion and reaction those two things are jealousy and selfish ambition we've all experienced that haven't we James tells us that this selfish ambition, this jealousy, you see jealousy is, is you want what you don't have. And you want it now. You see that somebody else has it and you want that too. And selfish ambition is I'm going to get what I want. And I deserve to have it. And I'm going to go after and do what I have to do to get what I want because I see it and I want it. And he's saying that is earthly wisdom. That's the way... That's the way ungodly people think. That's not the way Christians are supposed to think. What does James call this wisdom? He says not only is it earthly and not only is it unspiritual, but he says it's what? It's demonic. He said that is demonic wisdom to think like that. That ain't right, James says. That's not the way Christians are supposed to think. Our minds are supposed to be different. But who's he writing to? He's writing to Christians. And so he's saying some of y'all think like that and some of you don't. And this is how you're supposed to think with wisdom from above. Now, why is this earthly wisdom, this jealousy, selfish ambition, get what I want, uh, these, these kinds of beliefs about success. Why are these demonic? Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Why? Because people will do whatever they think they have to do to get what they want. And that is not what a disciple of Jesus does. That's not how a disciple of Jesus thinks. Godly wisdom isn't like that. It doesn't work that way. It's not selfishly motivated. It's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16. The natural person, that earthly wisdom, the natural person does not accept the things ...of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to Him. And He's not able to understand them because... They are spiritually discerned. Those things of God are discerned spiritually by a spiritual mind, not by a natural mind. So that person can't understand these things of God. They're foolishness, they're folly. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself uh, is to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? He quotes from the Old Testament. But we have the mind of Christ. The Christian is supposed to develop a mind just like Christ's mind. And that sounds like an impossible thing. And, and while we may never achieve that, that's our aim is to get our minds to be like Christ's minds. See, that? who's that natural person that Paul references here? That's the person who does not have the Spirit of God. And according to Acts chapter two thirty-eight, they they have not put on Christ in baptism, and therefore have not received the Holy Spirit. Now we're not talking about children. We're not talking about people that are not old enough to comprehend this and understand what this means to live uh, as a Christian. We're talking about those who are old enough to understand this. He said those people are not living according to the wisdom that God would have us to live by. We are to have the mind. Of Christ, Our viewpoint on life, our worldview, the way we see things, the way we think about things in our daily decisions in those challenging moments is supposed to be the way Jesus thought about them, the way he saw things, not the way the world would see a thing. Paul said that the Christian has the mind of Christ in another place in Philippians 2.5. And, and, and a mind that thinks the way Jesus did... ...would change their attitudes in all the way, all the way they look at everything. So our, our very attitude is supposed to be Christ-like. So how do we develop this mind of Christ? Well, look at Romans 12. In verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we t- see two things, the two things we usually focus on in this verse. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. But what we don't stop and look at a lot of times is how we do that. How did Paul say to not be conformed, but to be transformed? He said, by... The renewing, the being made new of your mind. That's how you do it. That's how you are not conformed or pressed into the mold of culture, pressed into the mold of this world and what it wants you to believe and think. So the beliefs and values of this world don't be pressed into that mold, but be transformed, which means to be... Uh, to become something altogether different uh, by the renewing of your mind. Well, how is your mind made new? We're made new in Christ, that new creation that he wrote about in 2 Corinthians 5. Your mind is to be biblically formed. It's to become Christ's uh, mind. Our thinking is to be godly and holy and upright. Now think about this, though. If that is true, how can your mind become like Christ's mind, be biblically formed, shaped by Scripture, if it's not being fed Scripture? Do you see that? See, my mind is going to be formed by whatever I'm putting in my mind, right? So if I'm not taking in Scripture, Scripture can't form and mold and develop my mind to be a mind like Christ's mind. So that tells me that I have a responsibility on my own to make sure my mind is being biblically formed. And so what does that tell us? See, in verse number 2, the rest of verse number 2, it says, it's only when our minds are made new, renewed in Christ, can we discern the things of God right and wrong with that spiritual wisdom he's talking about. Because he says uh, that by testing, when your mind is renewed, you may discern what is the will of God. See, you can only know the will of God when your mind is shaped by the scripture of God. See, a lot of people run around say, God told me to do this, and I'm praying God will bless me to do it. Well, how do you know that? Was your mind shaped by Scripture to tell you, to guide you according to God's Word, to make that life decision, to do that thing? And in fact, where can you point to that helps you understand that that's the course you ought to take, that that's the decision you ought to make? See, if I'm sincere about being a follower of Jesus, then I need to let the words of Christ shape my mind so I can do the things of Christ and do the things He would have me to do. You want to live for God, but you don't want to study His Word. Well, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to say, I love God, I want to follow God, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but I don't want to study the Bible. Well, it seems just hard. I don't understand all these, all these things in the Old Testament and the stuff in, in the New Testament. Well, guess what? you got to put in some work to study. You've got, you got, you got to seek to understand. Uh, you got to study His Word. A Christian without a Christian mind is a Christian who doesn't think Christianly. Do you see that? So how can I have a Christian mind if I'm not devoting myself to understanding His Word? And a follower of Jesus, a disciple, remember that word means what? Learner. Do you see that? So I'm following Jesus, learning from Him. Well, how am I learning from Him? from his word that he gave us. Paul said it another way in Ephesians four twenty two through 24, to put off your old self, who you are before Christ, before you're a Christian, who belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, see the, the mind there, and be renewed in the what? Spirit of your minds. And to be put on the new, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. When your mind is biblically formed, it also keeps you from being led astray by false teachings. See, you're going to hear some different things. And how do you know what is right and what is wrong according to the word? When you hear it, well, somebody else believes this. Or you read something else and it says this. Well, how do you figure out what's right and what's wrong? Well, you could listen to whoever's most persuasive. You could listen to what, what do most people say. That's one, those are two different ways of doing it. Or you could make sure you're studying the Word of God to get a sound understanding on that subject from God's Word Himself. Now, you may listen to somebody and you may hear two or three different thoughts on a thing. And then you take that to the Word and you say, What does God have to say about this? And then I'll make up my mind based on the Word of God. And some of them may be right, some of them may be wrong. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse number 8. Paul wrote, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. See the philosophy, thinking. There's a lot of philosophy out there. There's a lot of good thought out there. There's a lot of self-help stuff out there. And and I'm not saying none of that, that you can't look at any of that and none of that can be helpful, but I'm saying you got to discern truth from error. So see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to what? Human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to what? Christ so our minds to be a learner and a follower of Christ need to be biblically formed and the only way to do that is to be shaped by the scriptures of God okay so that includes what we're learning at church when we are in bible class in worship as well as our own study and opportunities to talk to people about the scripture and study with one another studying on your own So you got to be careful when you're studying Scripture. You may listen to a podcast, and I listen to several podcasts. You may read somebody's book, somebody's blog, watch somebody's video. That's all fine and good. But you got to be like the Bereans and make sure you understand. But is that sound according to the Word of God? It doesn't matter how good it sounds. I want to know, is it sound according to God's Word? So so what what could be our motivation? What, What should motivate us? to have a biblically formed mind? Guilt or, or just obligation? Or is there something else that should be our motivation to have a biblically formed mind? Well, Jesus tells us where this motivation comes from, should come from, in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. Someone asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God. And we usually read this really fast. But slow down and listen to what he says. The greatest commandment, the most important thing. In other words, he's going back to the, the Ten Commandments, right? The first commandment, you should have no other gods before me. And then Deuteronomy, he said, you shall love the Lord your God, right? And now he's repeating that here and saying this is the main thing. This is the greatest thing. This is the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Okay, got that. What's next? With all your soul. Okay, got that. I got that. Anything else, Jesus? And with all your what? Mind. You see that? Sometimes we don't stop and realize that. Jesus said, you've got to love yourself with all your, love love God with all your what? Mind. So he's saying he, what he means is with your all, but he's also saying your heart, your soul, and your mind. In other words, all of you, but your mind is a part of that all. Does that make sense? So how do I love God with all of my mind? See, your mind is your intellect, isn't it? That, that's your understanding. That's your intelligence. That's your, your thinking, your cognition. And he's saying, you've got to love God with all of that. So what does that tell me if I'm trying to be a follower of Christ, a learner of Christ? That tells me I have the responsibility to think. I have the responsibility I need to think through my beliefs according to Scripture. That that I need to study to show myself approved unto God, as Paul wrote. You see, that I, I need to think through and be educated in the Word of God. So I can't be passive in this deal. This isn't a passive thing. It's active. I must actively learn and be educated in and grow in the Word of God. We need deep understanding of the Bible as Christ's followers. See, when you love God with all your mind, you don't get blown out of the water when you hear something that that challenges your faith because you're constantly studying the Word of God. And you may hear something you never heard before. I read an article uh, about a documentary that was made about a so-called one-word error in the Old Testament, and therefore they claimed it changed everything we knew about a particular subject in the Bible. And man, I tell you what, that, that trailer I saw for that movie was so convincing. You could, you could watch that and think, wow, I've been wrong. We're all wrong. But then when you stop and think, when you research it, when you study for yourself, you realize, no, that ain't the case. They're the ones wrong. Because they misinterpreted something because they have an agenda instead of what does the Lord say in his word. And you understand, you come to an understanding. So you don't lose your faith when you love God with all your mind. You don't lose your faith because you don't understand something in the Bible. Well, someone says, well, what about this? I can turn to any page in the Bible and say, well, what about this? And and not all of us are going to understand it. Does that mean I lose my faith? Does that mean the Bible's wrong? Does that mean all of a sudden you've pulled the curtain like the Wizard of Oz and you've exposed God that he's a fraud because you didn't understand something? No. What that should do is drive me deeper into God's Word to love him with all my mind, my intellect, my thinking, and not let my faith be shattered by something I haven't heard or thought of before. Don't leave God because something doesn't make sense to you. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean the Bible's wrong or that God is wrong. God is still God. My job is to be that, what, learner of Christ. Do you see that? It means we need to study the Word of God, let God reveal Himself to us in His Word, and as well love ourselves love god with our all heart soul and mind god loved you with his all didn't he did you know that? He, he asked his followers, love me with your all because I loved you with my all. And when you have that kind of relationship with God, there's nothing else like it. You're at, you're at the highest heights of that kind of relationship you can have with your heavenly father and with Christ, your savior, when you love him with your all. And that's the kind of relationship that every disciple of Jesus wants. And, and God's God's telling us to do nothing less than what he did for us. He loved us with his all. How did he do that? Well, he created this world and he created us to be with us, to be in relationship with us. And then when sin came along and entered the world and messed everything up, what did he do? He sent his son to be a sacrifice for us, to take our sins away for those who would turn to him in faith and have their sins washed away through baptism by being united with Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, I've loved you with my all. Love me with your all. And that's the re- only proper response when we are convicted by the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, is to in turn love him with our all, our heart, soul, and our mind. If we can help you this morning, maybe you have questions and you want to study. Maybe you're ready to put on Christ in baptism. Maybe you just need prayers for some other thing. If we can help you in any way this morning, we invite you to come as we stay. Stand and sing.